Welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. It's Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rosier, Kofi Hemingway, your three favorite Rattlers from our home studios talking about everything that you need to hear about FAMU athletics and culture. Uh, that is us. Make sure you're following us, following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone is where you can find us. And also, if you are or have downloaded the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, which you can find on your Google or Apple Play Store by simply searching MyJBN, MyBCSN. Kelvin, how we doing? Doing wonderful, man. Glad to be here, man. The site is a lot of stuff happening in Rally Nation and uh, in Swag Nation, actually. So I'm um, looking forward. Should be a really good show. Good to hear. Kofi, how we feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling real good. I'm excited about what's going to transpire on this here evening. So I'm looking to hear what direction you're going to take us, my friend. Oh, you you gave me the keys? Is that what you're giving me, Kofi? You know, I, I Shango, there that. we go. You got the keys to the Jeep. <laughs> beat, beat. <laughs> hey, uh, look, uh, we've got a lot of hoops to talk about because, again, FAMU is a basketball school now. Don't get it twisted. Yes, we are. We are a basketball school. Rattler Nation, the Rattlers are moving. We just got to get everybody else in Tallahassee to get on board and understand this, to understand what we know. But we got some big news coming up that uh, Tallahassee, you got to show up. So we got some exciting news to share coming up, and it's it's a mandate. The the pack to pit, uh, we, we got to get there. You, you'll hear about it here in a little bit. Uh, also coming up in the show, we are going to be talking about uh, part two of our pre, well, I guess we call this our pre-recruiting signing day segment regarding FAMU football. Um, a good friend of the program, Marcus Green, uh, our recruiting expert, uh, has put together some more good information. Last week, if you joined the show, we talked a lot about the offensive side. This week, we talk about the defensive side of the ball. And we got a special guest coming up at the bottom of the hour, the latest, the newest FAMU volleyball recruit uh, is joining us, Miss Asia Jones, a uh, transfer from Florida Gulf Coast, and uh, we will uh, we will get a chance to talk to her. Very excited about the addition and what she's going to be bringing to the Hill and to this championship team as we look and continue to grow. And that is her, yes. Miss Asia Jones right there, and she will be joining the show a little bit later. So uh, let's get into talking about some of the latest hoop news, fellas, because, uh, look, we were on the road, both the men and women's team on the road, traveling Saturday to Arkansas Pine Bluff 
and then uh, Mississippi Valley State on Monday. And uh, two different two different things happened. Two different results. Our men swept. Our women got swept. But they're dealing with a whole nother thing that we'll get into. But let's start with the men who got a sweep on the road as the winning streak now has moved to three games for the Rattlers. We got an uh, overtime win at UAPB uh, for for the fellas, uh, 71-66 on Saturday. And then we followed it up on Monday with a 78-70 win. Uh, we'll start it over with you, Kelvin. The men are rolling. What did you see? What do we like from what we're seeing from our men's basketball team over the weekend? The first thing I want to the first thing I want to say is that uh, we have uh, our two guards, our most experienced guards, still out. Uh, they didn't play this weekend, so uh, Reed and um, and um, I forget the other young gentleman's name, but uh, neither one of them played this weekend. So we went with a lot of young guys. Uh, you know, we have a lot of limp. Number one, we were very tall. Both of the teams we played particularly against Valley, they went small um, and, and tried to shoot threes. And they almost succeeded in uh, spreading us out and driving to the belt, uh, driving to the basket and hitting those threes. But um, what we learned about this team is that they, they, they persevere. You know, they, they went into overtime against Pine Bluff and then pulled it out in overtime. And uh, the Valley game, they led most of the game. But uh, Valley had one player in particular, um, Hunter, who uh, got hot, man. I think he went for like 28 or so. And he would make threes from from Steph Curry ring and his number <laughs> net uh, in that second half. Yeah, it, it was pretty pretty good to see. And I have to give a shout-out to those announcers at Valley, man. They're the same ones who do the uh, football games. And, man, I, it's entertainment for sure. <laughs> but uh, the basketball team, I, I think having to place um, some of the younger guys early, they're starting to find a rhythm, a rotation, uh, and just, you know, getting that experience. And, and then being able to do that and get those Ws at the same time is, is just a plus. And when we get those guards back um, and get into a more – normal routine uh I, I think this team has a real shot of making a good run in the in the tournament uh and have a chance of being pretty high and those guards that you're talking about um Jalen Spear and uh Cameron Reeves I believe that's who you're talking about right I know uh Spear uh Spear and uh Reeve didn't play in the uh, Valley game. And uh, uh, do we lose Kelvin? Yeah, I think we lost Kelvin there. We'll, we'll get that fixed. Uh, but that's what I think he's talking about. Kofi, uh, you're coming over to you. Your your takeaway from what we saw from the men over the weekend. Well, I mean, the team is slowly but surely building confidence and rounding into form. Um, you know, for me, it's not about how you begin. It's all about how you finish. And uh, they, they've got a lot of fight. They got some moxie to them. 
And, uh, you know, long as we're good mid to late February, I'm going to view this as a success because um, success has a way of breeding additional success. You know, we have that level of confidence. I would like to see additional scoring. I know MJ is our dude, right? But I want to see uh, some more shooters begin to come into form uh, because we're going to need them. Uh, as we get closer to tournament time. Um, yeah, was it you who last week you you said the ceiling, <laughs> the the you know not to, not I don't think you you quite quoted it like Michael Jordan, but you basically you called for us to uh, to to show up in the tournament of the swag. That was that was your prediction, right? Well, it wasn't necessarily the prediction. It was uh, my thought process in regarding to what the ceiling was. I think that our ceiling is the championship. This team can get it done, uh, but they're going to have to play better than even what they're doing right now. Uh, this isn't the best that our basketball team can play. And uh, that's, you know, it's not a bad thing um, because they've got time to improve on, on where they, where they want to go. I will continue to say I would like to see, you know, just a little bit more press, you know, get those turnovers, you know, put pressure on the team and create more opportunities um, for our squad. But, of course, when you don't have depth, you got people dealing with COVID issues. You don't want to wear your guys out um, too soon. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, talking about depth. And just to reiterate what Kelvin mentioned, yes, uh, this past weekend it looks like we were out. Jalen Spear, who averaged third uh, coming into uh, this point of the season through his nine games played and started, averaging 31.6 minutes a game, also missing Cameron Reeves, who played and started in his 12 games, averaging 30.8 minutes a game. That's the number uh, uh, three and four minutes per game on this team. So uh, missing those two guys, listen to the stat line of the minutes played. Now, MJ Randolph is already moving into another stratosphere, and I continue to say if there are odds on SWAT player of the year, you should have grabbed them a week ago because they've significantly dropped towards him being the favorite. This past weekend, he didn't come off the floor. MJ played 45 of 45 minutes in the overtime win against UAPB and played 40 of 40 against Mississippi Valley State. I, you know, I don't know those of you obviously before our show is the uh, Coach McCullum and Coach Pillow. Coach's show, I, I don't know if Coach Pillow was there. I didn't get a chance to watch. But uh, I, I would love to hear the last time MJ played 85 of 85 possible minutes in a two-day time span. I bet he hasn't done that probably since AAU days. Um, that That's how much he played. But but even going to the other guys on the floor in that contest, uh, uh, Keith, Keith Littles, 39 minutes. DJ Jones, 32 minutes. Bryce uh, Morgney, um, uh, I hope I'm saying that name right. I, I apologize, Bryce. Uh, 37 minutes. Now, after Bryce, you really had Chase Bars with 29 minutes and Johnny Brown, who started the game with 16 minutes. That was it. I mean, J- Jai Clark played five minutes. 
Uh, Dominguez Stevens played two. That's it. We we didn't have much depth, and we still scored 78 points. So I know, Kofi, you want to see us press more, but I'm telling you, we, we're getting a lot of efficiency out of, what's that, five, six guys, basically, and scoring 78 points. That's pretty doggone impressive. I mean, for a lot – and there are a lot of teams out there struggling to score 65. You yeah, know? you know, pressing is a personal preference of mine. Um, you know, just growing up, for me, Kentucky under Rick Patino was uh, my favorite coach. You know, I know he did a whole lot of under-the-table stuff, but, you know, um, he really, he really is my Legendary. favorite coach. Legendary. <laughs> all right but him and uh you know i grew up watching the georgetown hoyas uh wreak havoc um on on opposing teams with their defense with their quickness and create opportunities off of turnovers and just you know their physicality the physicality is not necessarily where we are right now but i want to see us again you know, if we can just find that way to just play even stronger defense, get out there and uh, create transitional points, I'm cool. And uh, I like the direction. I mean, you can't argue with three in a row. Uh, I just know what I want to see. So that's that. Hey, uh, Kelvin, remember we talked earlier in the year, and I told you one of those one of those things that was, uh, that was hurting us was uh, our three-point shooting, right? Um, and, and and so in the UAPB game, we win that ball game because of free throws and rebounding. I mean, we shot 20 of 28 from the free throw line, which is uh, trying to do the 71.4%. UAPB was 14 of 29, which is like under 50. And we out-rebounded them plus 10. Other than that, it was an even ball game pretty much. And really – they locked us up defensively from the field. We shot 30% uh, from the three-point arc, but we only shot 10 of those. We didn't rely on the three-point shot. And even going into Saturday's game or Monday's game, we only shot seven three-point attempts. So I, we're winning in, in in sort of an unconventional way, Kelvin. If you think about the way the game is being played, we're, we're sort of winning in an old-school style. We're not relying on the three-point shot. Well, you know, we kind of was that way in football. You know, we went back to running the ball versus traditional RPO. We went to more traditional. And um, right now with COVID and the lack of guards, it's kind of hard to press. And and we run in a half-court set with a lot of guys who got limp. Um, and shooting threes is not their game. And taking people off the dribble is not their game. MJ is the only person on the court that can um, take people at will and create one-on-one situations. So we have to do all the little things. We have to rebound. We have to make our free throws. We have to block shots. I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. And uh, we're doing a decent job of defending. Uh, I don't know about the three-point line. Cause, uh, but but the shots that I, like I say, the shots Valley made were, were just not conventional, right? You don't usually make that high percentage of shots. But, uh, you know, we're doing what we need to do to win right now. I'm very interested to see um, what we're going to look like with those pieces back. Because some some mm-hmm. things work better for us with having the guards. 
meaning when we get into our half-court offense, we look a little better. We can make intra passes into the post. And theoretically, we should have a slightly better three-point shooting option. Um, it hasn't really shown itself, to be honest, this season yet. But theoretically, we should have more um, room for error. All right, so again, that that's the the guys going two and zero over the weekend, the uh, Saturday Monday split, um, and and winning their third in a row, uh, improving to and a, a record of five and eleven overall, three and two in the conference. Now let's go over to the women's side of things, and uh, our ladies were actually coming into the contest against UAPB, uh, having won. Two of their first three SWAT games had a big 75-66 win over Grambling. You know, this is going up against a good UAPB team. But, you know, we're we're feeling pretty confident uh, given what we saw the ladies do against Grambling. And then we going up against Mississippi Valley State, kind of liked our chances going there. Well, I all of a sudden look at the game, and it didn't really get announced, but Come to find out, once you start looking at the game on the UAPB vision, you end up seeing a very short bench for the Lady Rattlers. And then you don't see Coach Pillow. And you quickly realize, uh uh-oh, our team's in the protocol. Uh, You know, no no official word needed because you can look on the floor and you see no Coach Pillow uh, coaching the game against UAPB. And we were missing our number two, three, and four players in terms of minute and points production. Uh, we were missing sophomore Mallory Brooks, redshirt senior uh, Anasia Harris, and Tia Bradshaw. And all three of those ladies are averaging 30 minutes a game, 28, 25, anywhere from 31 to 26 minutes a game, all behind uh, Dylan Horton who is, is still continuing to play lights out by, you know, and I, I'm not going to say she's by herself, but she's having to do more and had to do more this weekend. Unfortunately, um, UAPB is going to be one of those teams that are going to be a sneaky uh, contender to watch out for in the SWAC women's race. Uh, the ladies lost 76 53 uh, with just seven or eight players. And then we had to go to Mississippi Valley state, lost 76 or 78 to 62. And I think watching that game, I don't know which game was more frustrating for you guys to watch, but I know for me watching the Mississippi Valley state was more frustrating because that's a team I feel like we could beat. I mean, that team only had, I mean, look, we we only had, we had no wins coming into this year. They only had one win coming into this season, uh, into that contest. I, I felt like we could have beat Mississippi Valley state on a normal day but we're dealing with COVID protocol. So, uh, Kofi, uh, your thoughts on what the women's team is going through, and uh, are are you – any thoughts on just the protocol and the timing of that news or lack thereof coming out? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we're in – we're still in a pandemic. I know uh, Florida people don't like to acknowledge that, but we are. Uh, I know everybody's vaccinated, but we're still in a pandemic and uh, it's affecting uh, our numbers and our quality uh, of minutes or the the quality people that we'd be able to field uh, out on the court. 
And so, you know, it's kind of like in addition to having a first-year coach with a first-year team, um, you know, just kind of like is what it is. It's kind of it's very disappointing, but you know, that's all the more reason for us to really get behind the squad, get behind this team, show them that we 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 value them, that we embrace them, and we want to see them go to the next level. And I believe that we can. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, um, in that game against UAPB, uh, Dylan Horton. Uh, scored 22 points in 32 minutes. Uh, Kalen Jones was the only other player to score in double figures. Uh, but but really, we just got, uh, I think there was one stretch where UAPB ran about an 18-0 run on us uh, coming into late first quarter into the second quarter, and we really never could respond. It was almost like UAPB realized that we didn't have much of a bench and that we were without our number two, three, and four players. And all of a sudden, they realized, oh, Yo, let's just keep pushing the ball up the floor. And uh, it, it just kind of ran us out the gym a little bit. And then Horton turned around on Monday night, dropped 26 points in 39 minutes as she went uh, nine for nine from the free throw line on seven of 20 from the field. And uh, she was the only player to score in double figures. So, uh, Kelvin, how does that work on the road? Give, give us a little background on – what you can tell us in, in terms of, you know, the, the timing of just, you know, game time, the protocol, when you know, when you don't know. As much as you can share for people, you know, we don't know if Coach Pillow uh, ran uh, the uh, – uh, Coach Pillow ran the uh, – well – just I'll jump out of the way there, Kelvin. Go ahead. Jump in there with, with some thoughts. So, first of all, just to talk about the, the game and, and the team, um, without those additional pieces, um, they did play all eight, nine players that dress. Um, but, you know, a lot of those, some of those pieces are just coming back themselves. Um, only had like a practice. I did catch part of the coaches show this today and um coach pillow was not on there her assistant the assistant head coach who uh led the team this weekend he was on there and they're anticipating to have everybody back including coach pillow this weekend um but when you in that protocol you don't travel you're isolated and um you have to make the best of what you which can with um usually they get there a couple hours to um game time you know, if they get there a day early, they, they usually do a, a, a walkthrough the night before um, at the venue. If it's available, it's not always available. And then, um, you know, you, you get there and go through your pregame routine and everything and, and uh, walk through and then you lace them up. Now, in terms of my, my expectation with this particular team, we said we was going to have to be patient, give them some time. So that they can develop, and, and unfortunately, you know they haven't had the whole team together the entire preseason up to now. You know, there's always been somebody out, and um, we have scoring. But I tell you, what hurting us right now is uh, we turn the ball over way too much. I, I know we're leading the, the conference in turnovers on the women's side. We might be leading the nation. Uh, we 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 turn the ball over a lot. 
Um, we oh, score yeah. enough points. Our defense, we also give up um, offensive rebounds uh, at inopportune times. So, you know, teams getting four or five shots at the basket. I think some of that improving the rebounding, you know, with the depth coming back, I think would be fine. And scoring wise, I think would be fine. I'm not sure the turnover is the one that's going to be resolved this season. We'll have to see if that gets better. Uh, speaking of the turnovers, we only committed 10. I was actually pleased to see we only committed 10 against UAPB, but uh, it reared its ugly head on Monday. We committed 28 turnovers um, and only had eight assists. So, I mean, that that's against uh, against uh, Mississippi Valley team that, uh, you know, we, we lose by 16. But, you know, really when you look at a quarter-by-quarter basis, you know, we lose by two in the first, by one in the third. Uh, but you lose by seven and six in the second and fourth. It just adds up, you know, where if you probably commit ha- less than half of those turnovers, you probably win that ball game against Valley, you know. Um, so while all that's happening, though, we can still say we had the back-to-back SWAC players of the week. That's right. For the second consecutive week, Florida a had the SWAC Players of the Week in Dylan Horton, Women's Basketball Player of the Week, and MJ Randolph, the Men's Player of the Week. Uh, Dylan averaged 24 points a game while shooting 43% from the field in the last two weeks. She scored 22 against UAPB with five uh, five rebounds, had 26 against Valley with five rebounds and two assists. She's leading the conference in scoring, averaging 25.4 a game. It's the third player of the week honor for Dylan. And for MJ, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, right now, uh, another great week. He averaged 23.5 points, seven rebounds, four assists, 2.5 in the two wins. Uh, He now has four consecutive 20-point games. And uh, I believe he has had 10 this season overall. And for the fourth time, he has been the SWAC player of the week. So congratulations, MJ Randolph, Dylan Horton, back-to-back men and women's player of the week. And, uh, whoo, I tell you, don't, you know, just just keep your eye out. It's been a good January. And uh, this upcoming week, our men and women, we host Alcorn State on Saturday, Jackson State on Monday. Those are going to be big contests especially on the men and women's side, big contest this weekend. So Rattler Nation, we need you to show up. We need you to show up this weekend and pack the pit, most definitely. Hey, coming up on the other side of this break, we're going to talk to the newest FAMU volleyball recruit. Miss Aja Jones is going to be joining us, and we're going to find out a little bit about her and and, and just what we can expect from her that she's going to be bringing to the championship volleyball team that we have uh, in the fall. So uh, that is Miss Jones. And so we'll, we'll talk to her coming up on the other side. So you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. So, so. 
shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Velvet Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loop machine. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Back to the ONG Strike Zone, Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. And joining us is the newest Rattler to uh, to come to the family. Join the family and be a part of our women's volleyball team. That is Miss Aja Jones. Everyone make sure you say it right now because I know some of y'all are going to mess it up out there. It's Aja Jones. <laughs> Aja, how you doing? Th- thank you for joining us this evening. How you doing, Aja? Can you hear me? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. All right. All right. Good to, good to hear you. She may you. need to, to log out and log back in. Yeah. Well, we it seems well, like we're having some technical difficulties. Yeah. Let's, are you here? How's your How's your signal? Are you getting us loud and clear? I can hear you. Okay. 
let's uh let's see what what do we have okay you can hear us so we'll give it a try here and see how our signal is i know sometimes with technology and signals it can go a little weird so um you know we don't want to we don't want you to look like that uh what was that at&t commercial where you know they say like you, you look weird trying to come through on the signal so uh so uh, for those of you who are not familiar aja just uh joined the uh uh, the university and the, and the volleyball program, a transfer from Florida Gulf Coast, um, 6'1", middle blocker from Venice, Florida. Uh, she is a junior, class of 2019. Uh, she's just coming off of three seasons at Florida Gulf Coast. So, Aja, tell us a little bit about what attracted you to Florida A&M as you were going through the process of looking at the transfer portal? Are you here? Hey, let's do this. Uh, Mel, let's see if, uh, let's start talking about producer Mel. Mel, if you can, uh, let's bring it back to our three-person shot here. And Mel, if you can uh, kind of instruct Aja to see if maybe we can... uh, uh, reset and have her log back in. Hopefully we can get up a, a better signal. But while we're waiting to reconnect our signal with Aja, let me just give a little background to everybody. Of course, uh, middle blocker for Florida Gulf Coast this past year. Um, they actually had a very good season over there or down there, I guess. Uh, what is going on? Are we losing? We're losing all kinds of signal today, losing everybody. Kofi, are you still there? Can you hear me? I can hear you well. I don't know can where everybody is. my mouth moving? <laughs> I can see you. I can hear you. Can you see my hand I mean, waving? Your hand's waving. Although it's not in the screen, I can see it, though. It's just okay. going to be one of those just gonna be one of those shows today. So it's just you and me but, for right but now. But quickly, though, I mean, you know, um, seems like she has good size, uh, good explosiveness, Um you know, and athleticism, which is one of the things or one of the trademarks of our team. And, uh, you know, trying to make a run deep into the tournament, that has to be, uh, you know, just having more more bodies, more height up front is what's really going to help us to um, maintain a solid lineup and a solid rotation. Yeah, uh, she started and played in all 33 games this past fall for Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, that was a team, Florida Gulf Coast, that went – 27 and six overall, 15 and one in the A Sun. They won the A Sun championship. Went to the NCAA's where uh, they defeated Texas Tech in five games in the opening round, uh, and then they lost to the four seed Wisconsin 3-0 in the next round. Uh, but she was the uh, uh, she had a career high or a season high 10 blocks in that tournament game against Texas Tech. That particular team that she played on, she she had the second most total points on that team, uh, which was second only to a young lady who was the player of the year, had the third most kills, and she led the team in blocks. And so joining us again, uh, Aja Jones. Aja, how you doing? We got you back. I'm doing good. All right. Good to hear. So what? Uh, one of my first questions was if you would kind of let Rattler Nation know what attracted you to FAMU when you were going through the process of deciding where you wanted to go once you made the decision to enter the transfer portal? 
Well, when I was younger and I was getting recruited, um, I actually came and visited FAMU. And I think in the back of my mind, it always kind of stuck with me. But I ended up going for FGCU because it was closer to home. But when I did decide to finally enter the transfer portal, I mean, the first school that was in my mind was FAMU. Okay. Yeah, awesome. so and, and that's basically what it was. Did you have – and so you had previously uh, uh, had a relationship or knew Coach uh, Yilmaz. He had previously, I guess, back in maybe the recruiting process, you were familiar with him. I'm assuming there was a little bit of familiarity there. Yes. Um, I hadn't talked to him since I was 17. But, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he showed us around the campus and, you know – he was, uh, they were definitely my top three for colleges. Okay. Okay. Uh, go ahead in there, uh, Calvin. So, uh, like you said, Florida Gulf Coast is uh home for you, uh, you know, in your home area. I see, uh, you from Venice, uh, did, uh, and you all played against family, if I'm not mistaken, in a tournament down there. Uh, and I believe you all won um, in what four four sets? I believe it was. Um, but uh, yes, they had a really successful so. year this year. They, they they beat quite a few uh, tournament teams, um, and and it came kind of off the radar because uh, you had a lot of new pieces, not a lot of new players. They had missed the season because um, of COVID and so forth, and um, they were really pretty dominant from a competitor standpoint, someone who played against this team, and most of this team is, is coming back. Uh, what did you see from this team? And what did you like about uh, your, your new team now? Um, well, firstly, I was super surprised when we played them this past time, because when we played them my freshman year, they just looked like a completely different team. I saw a bunch of potential and some studs. Uh, Dominique on the outside, that was she was killing it that game. And um, she really stuck out. And all of them really were, like, great teammates. I think I saw, like, they worked well together. And they had a good system and um, good setters. And that's just something... As a volleyball player, that's what I look for. When I'm facing another team, how are their setters? What's their system look like? You know, what are they hitting? And um, they really surprised me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kofi, go ahead. Cool. Um, obviously, you know, everyone in the state is uh, trying to beat the University of Florida and looking forward to defeating them. Um, what makes that team so difficult to play uh, year in and year out? Well, from my perspective, I would say that these girls, first of all, the height is there, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, and, um, and the coaching is really good there. They've always been a really great team. And so I think that's Did you say six seven, six eight? Oh yeah, like these girls, they get them <laughs> from like Europe and different places like that. And they're huge. <laughs> yes. 
and that doesn't mean that you have like amazing talent, which they do, but I mean, it's, it's different playing against a team like that size. It makes you really have to work for every single point. And with a team like Florida and their background and their presence, it's always in the back of your mind. So I think that's why they kind of have this like unbeatable kind of vibe to them because it is hard to beat a team like that. Yeah, I, wow. I, I, I I reacted the same way, Kofi. Uh, she said six seven six eight. I was like, wait a minute, am I the only one that just caught what she just said there? Uh, they didn't look that tall on when we, when we were watching the game when we played them, but now I understand uh, how difficult and challenging that was. Um, it, talking about NCAA playoff experience, I mean, you guys, your team, your former team, you you helped them win uh, just the school second. Uh, conference title, went to the playoffs, got a big win, uh, a comeback win against Texas Tech. You had a season-high 10 blocks in that contest. Talk a little bit about the emotions of that experience and how that can help this team, this Florida A&M team, which they themselves just got into the tournament this past year and obviously are going to be looking to go maybe into day two next year? Um, I think in that moment, emotions are so high because everybody wants it. You know, they want it just as much as you do. And everybody kind of has the same mindset that they're willing to do whatever they can to get it, you know? And I think that you can let that kind of emotion like frighten you or you can use it to your benefit. And I think I tried my best to use it to my benefit. I was definitely, my nerves were there, but um, I just had to push through it. And I think that that's something any team that can help any team when they go into the tournament, because it's a different ball game. I will say that was my first time in the tournament and it was incredible. The energy, the nerves, I, I loved it. Yeah, it, it definitely looked like a – I know for just seeing the atmosphere in Gainesville when FAMU went there, I, I know that energy looked entirely different, and I'm sure you experienced that as well, e- even going up against Wisconsin. Um, just before I throw it over to Kelvin, going up against that Wisconsin team, and when you look at your team, uh, what, what was it about them that maybe separated you guys? Or what is it that separates – a top ranked team like Wisconsin versus Florida Gulf Coast or even Florida A&M? I would say, um, once again, height, just being like being an outside or being a middle and going up to hit and then seeing people's faces over the net. It's incredible. And um, the coaching, their staffs are so deep. There's like, six different coaches for every different position and you know and these girls most of them are born and bred to play volleyball you know and um i think that's something that can separate uh teams like ours and the top team like that and also they just have so much to prove and uh, when we played them their gym was packed. I've never seen so many people come out for a volleyball game. 
And I think that's something that surprised me so much. And I was thinking if I was them, there was no way I was going to lose any game in that gym when it was packed like that. Mm -hmm. the, the power of the home, the power of the home crowd or power of a good crowd. Uh, go ahead, Kelvin. Right. Well, uh, FAMU uh, beat Auburn in their own tournament and uh, a couple of other uh, power five and mid-majors uh, last year. So, uh, you know, sometimes the the, the, uh, the, the, the visitors win. Um, but what I want to ask you is a question about coming to FAMU. Um, you know, you played high school ball home and you, you were home when you your first couple of years at uh, at um, Florida Gulf Coast. What is it? Do you what, what are you anticipating? There's a lot of students who chose choosing to come to HBCUs now in multiple sports uh, for multiple reasons. And I just wanted I was just interested. Did you have a, a specific desire to go to an HBCU? Um, uh, what do you expect as far as experience outside of athletics and so forth? Um, I would say definitely I uh, had a desire to go to an HBCU. I knew when I hit the portal, if it wasn't FAMU, then it was going to be uh, HBCU. Because nowadays, I think a lot of athletes are starting to see the importance of the culture and the history and the HBU experience as a whole. It's so important and it's just, you wanna be a part of something like that and you wanna make make your teams better at HBCU so you can get the recognition that you deserve. And so um, it definitely, that the HBCU experience definitely played a huge part in my position, I'm, my decision. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. Well, yeah, what is your major, Aja? Um, you, you seem pretty articulate. I don't know what I'm, I'm picking up and stuff. Do you do camps? Before you answer that question, do you do camps? Do you run camps? Have you been a part of those camps? Uh, you know, in recruiting, because I see you like coaching and working with young people. I don't know what that is, but. <laughs> um, I have done a few camps in my past. I don't know how I feel about coaching. I feel like sometimes I can be a little bit too much, but. Um, yeah, I've done a few camps, but they tried not to put me with the younger girls because they say I could be a little bit too much, but whatever. Cool. <laughs> what is your major, Asha? Um, I'm a interdisciplinary studies major with a minor in marketing. Awesome. Mm. Um, what, what other types of, uh, hobbies or extracurricular activities do you enjoy doing outside of, uh, volleyball? Um, well, I like cooking and reading. Those are probably my top two. Also, I like to, uh, watch my brother play. That's always exciting. And, um, also I like to watch my sister and yeah, basically that's it. What do they play? Go go, go ahead and brag about your family. All y'all. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> talk about talk about your, your parents as well as your siblings. What sports they played or play and so forth, and where you get some of your talent from. 
Well, my dad played in the NFL for nine years um, for the Titans, Rams, Patriots, Cardinals. I always mix up the teams. But yes, he, he was in the league for nine years. He, um, he retired in 2001 when I was born. And my brother currently plays at LSU. And he transferred there from Clemson a year ago. And then my sister is a performer. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, So now you mentioned a strong uh, enjoyment of books. Do I, do I hear uh, any type of Aja Jones book club? I mean, what are you, what what are you reading? What are you recommending for our listeners? You know, we, we want to give Rattler Nation something to chew on. What would you recommend out of the uh, off, off the shelf for Rattler Nation to get to know Aja Jones? Hmm. Well, my favorite book is a book called Everything, Everything. I don't know if you've heard of it, but recently I just purchased Michelle Obama's book because my mother is obsessed. So she's just been talking and talking. I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to read it. <laughs> did, did you ever have any type of book club or anything like uh, at, at your old school? And if you did, any chance you bring that to this team? Because there, there are a lot of young ladies on that team that have some very interesting hobbies. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, bringing in a book club, I mean, you know, that, that seems like a natural fit with this group. Well, I've never had a book club, but I'm 100% down for one. I think that would be amazing. So, maybe. See, look, I'm, I'm out here working for you, Aja. Look, you know, Rattler Nation, you know, uh, let's go. Let's go. You guys get behind. Uh, let let people know where they can find you on social media, Instagram, Twitter, if you're, I'm assuming you're on uh, social media like a lot of young people are. So let them know where they can find you. And then, like I said, down the road, we'll, we'll talk about the book club thing later. But, but let, let them know where they can find you. Um, my Instagram is Aja Jones, A-J-A, nine. And then my Twitter is Aja underscore Jones nine. All right. All right. Uh, so uh, what? Uh, tell us, I mean, you look, I, I mean, this has been a great interview and I know we'll get a chance to talk later what on. But is there any, anything that you want to share with us uh, that maybe I didn't get a chance or we didn't get a chance to ask? Uh, any questions that you might have? I mean, we're old school rattlers, so I, you know, we, some of us know a lot, some of us know a little, but you know, anything that we forgot to ask you? Mm, I don't think so. I guess I would just say that I'm really excited for this season. And I think that, um, this team is going to put in some real work and get some real results. So I'm excited. It's, I'm very excited. I got a question, Brian. Jump in there. Jump in. Go ahead. Did you know any of the current players or competed against any of the current players prior to us playing you in a tournament? Do you know any of the players on the team previously? Yes, I knew Jasmine, and I had heard of Dominique. I didn't know her personally, but, okay, yeah. So it was cool to kind of – know somebody i didn't go in here completely blind and uh, they've all been so sweet so nice just helping me settle in and teaching me the ropes how to get around campus i don't think i've been on a campus this big ever really 
which uh, which hill has yeah. gotten you so far? Which hill have you walked up that you're like, oh my god, I didn't know this hill was this steep? <laughs> I mean, I actually asked my friend. I said, "Is this normal?" Like, I've never been up so many hills in my life. And after <laughs> workouts, you know, you're sore and trying to trudge up those hills. I'm like, "Oh Lord, help me." <laughs> you said that you cook and everything so if you were to go on a show against bobby flay and compete what would be your go-to dish hmm. i would probably say some rice and gravy macaroni and some chicken <laughs> All right now. <laughs> Soul food. Soul right. food. I'm hungry. I'm already hungry talking about it. <laughs> All right. So uh that is the uh the, the ultimate interview, uh hopefully the first of many that we will have with uh Miss Aja Jones, the newest member of the FAMU volleyball team, uh to join us. Uh a cook, a reader a heck of a volleyball player in the middle. And we are excited about you joining Florida A&M. Uh, best of luck to you walking up those hills because trust me, it is a shock for everybody that first semester. Good luck to you because I, I know it made me cry. I still think back on them days. And yes, so I we know what you're going through. So we, we've been there. <laughs> Thank and, you, uh, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. One more time, give out your Instagram and your uh, Twitter for anybody who wants to follow you. My Insta is Aja Jones nine, and my Twitter is Aja underscore Jones nine. All right, all right. More volleyball news a little bit later in the year. Uh, we want to thank Aja for joining us. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back after these words. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. 
Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loop machine. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earthblend Coffee. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi again. want to thank uh, Aja Jones for joining us. Uh, Aja is the newest member of the FAMU volleyball team. And, uh, you know, we'll have to get a new updated photo, one with that's got on uh, FAMU, FAMU gear. So we'll, we'll have to get that. But you guys make sure to go uh, follow her on Twitter and Instagram, show her some love. And, and I'm serious. You know, look. We, we were off camera, off air, talking about NIL, you know, and I didn't, I didn't plan for us to start this segment on this road, but there's a lot of opportunities that I don't know are, are happening. You know, we, we, we're about a semester in, right, six months into the passing of NIL. I was just thinking to myself, guys, I haven't – I don't know if I've seen any ads or commercials or anything involving – college athletes have you 
And if so, where? I don't watch TV that often. Um, but I'm sure, you know, they have the beats and a lot of stuff is on uh, our social media gear. Um, for instance, you know, I know um, some of the players or one of the players signed with beats, uh, you know, with headphones and stuff like that. So uh, that's not something that would necessarily be on network television per se. But as it gets more football season relevant, you'll see more content uh, begin to come forth with our athletes. I'm just curious who negotiates that, um, how this whole thing works, uh, because I think that there is indeed a tremendous opportunity. And I feel like Florida and m University should be really at the forefront because we have a number of uh prominent people who are in uh, prominent places in the industry, whether it be in in the corporate arena, as well as uh, the music and entertainment arena. Um, there's all kinds of opportunities to gain uh, additional endorsement opportunities for our, for our players and stuff. So I'm, I'm curious as to how that is initiated, who initiates it, how all of this works and how we can do uh, this in the best interest of FAMU. Well, one of the, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that FAMU was being applauded for was, and I'm reading an article from June 30th, 2021, FAMU Athletic leads the way for NIL and the SWAC with INFLCR, okay, which uh, the INFLCR and Teamworks uh, is supposed to be um, I, I guess a, a entity that leverages content opportunities, mobile app, brand strategy, education, and compliance tools, and will include social media membership tracking tools. So I guess this is supposed to be a program that's going to provide student athletes with the resources needed to build their brands, prepare them for the name, image, and likeness era, which includes full-scale use of in INFLCR's technology and team to provide industry-leading resources for Florida A&M student-athletes. I'm reading right out of the press release, right? So I asked, where are those opportunities? What opportunities has Marquise Bell had a chance to get? Bishop Bonnet, guys who have made a name for themselves. You know, uh, I think I saw an NIL opportunity for Savion Williams. I think I saw it maybe via his Twitter. But... Uh, volleyball. We we've talked to two outstanding young ladies, Dominique Washington, uh, and then right there, Aja Jones. I mean, we. Uh, there, let me there's let me ask this. Let me ask this Go question ahead. though. So, like, say Marquise Bell or Bishop Bonnet, right? So, I haven't seen anything in regards to football jerseys being available, um, which seems like it would just make so so much sense that. You get a football signed jersey or a football jersey with their name on it. Uh, can these guys start their own type ability if, say, they get a license, pay for the FAMU license, and they can sell their own shirts? Can they do that? So I, I want to say, oh, go ahead, Kelvin. You, you probably go ahead. I'm getting out the way. I, I think um, we're getting in the weeds a bit, and these are really <laughs> good questions. 
but I, I'll say this in general. I'm, I'm going to make a general statement. So part of the issue and struggle with uh, rolling this thing out is that Oh, did Mr. The, uh, Freeze get him? Yeah, he got him. He sniped him right when he was about to Mr. drop Freeze some knowledge. Came he got, up and just got him in the middle. <laughs> right when he was about to drop shut up some for knowledge. Mr. Freeze get me. I know. See, I know. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to wait to hear what he says. But Marcus uh, Green chimed in on YouTube to let us know uh, there were a few FAMU football players who had NIL deals at least via their social media accounts. Um, and, and like I said, I do think Savion was one of those who I did recall seeing something that Savion promoted. I, I just don't recall what it was. Um, we got you back now, Kelvin. Go ahead. You, before you got sniped, you were about to, uh, you were about to, you, <laughs> you, you were about to share some important information with somebody didn't want out. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so, so part of the struggle is that the NCAA, Number one, hasn't clearly defined uh, all the rules of engagement for this. Then on to add an extra layer to it, it's state by state. Some states have approved it. Some states got more geared toward athletes, some more toward the university, and some states haven't addressed it at all. So there's no consistency um, and clear direction of how to do it. And so the deal you're talking about, the, uh, that fam you signed, I see evidence of it in terms of the athletic department branding and, and tracking of that and stuff, and, and in turn, as a whole, benefiting the athletes because we are showing that, you know, from a, a media, uh, particularly a, a online media standpoint, we, we have significant impact and imprint, right? Now you got to generate that into some kind of measurable dollars and and, and so forth um, will be the next phase of that. You got that data and that information. Um, but um, I'm not sure that uh, anybody is clear on the right way to do it. And, and, and to point to that fact, I, I, I look at the Power 5 schools. We have one right across the tracks. And I haven't seen a whole lot from their student athletes at all either in terms of uh, even in a local market um, in terms of uh, uh, real benefit and, and, and presence, uh, whether it be doing advertisement for local companies or uh, guest appearance and so forth. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's part, people not sure what to do and, and the process of how to do it or, uh, um, it, it just hadn't picked up, but I, but you're right. There's, there's more questions than there are answers at this point to that whole process. So, so, so very quick, is that like Michael Jones department and everything? Is that something he oversees? I, I have no idea, uh, who does that on campus. Cause maybe he can answer some of those questions. Well, yeah, um, we, we, we can try to find someone who can. Yeah, we, we definitely, definitely need to try to find someone. I, I, I may just try to reach right out there to, uh, to, to the CEO of uh, INFL CR right there, Jim Cavale. 
uh, hey, Mr. Cavalli, come on to the ONG strike zone. We want to we want to find out how your company is serving Florida A&M University student athletes, and and more importantly, how you're helping FAMU navigate through the 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 way it's set up in the state of Florida. Because you do bring up a good point, Kelvin. Finding out how it is in Florida versus another state is so important because uh, even one of the recent bills that you that you heard about after the young man flipped from Florida State to Jackson's, ooh, God, dog, I said the name. I was trying not to say it because I know I'm going to get killed. I know I'm going to get killed by Jeremiah Clark on YouTube. So that's twice now uh, by, by, by them. Um, so, you know, when he did that, when he flipped over there, one of the big things that was the law is so different in Mississippi versus Florida. And so we, we do need to find and, and get some clarification um, on the topic. Uh, one of the things that got shot to me was the top sports for NIL compensation. Now, this is a report from the site called Open Doors. That's O-P-E-N-D-O-R-S-E. Uh, at Open Doors, it says total compensation by sport through December 31. So obviously this is just through the first, what, six months of the year. Football uh, brought in 45.7% of all of the compensation in NIL deals, followed by women's basketball, 26.2% followed by men's basketball at 18%. And then here's where the big drop comes from men's basketball to the number four sport, which is any idea guys, which might be the number four sport. Baseball. Gymnastics. Women's volleyball. Women's volleyball. Nice. 2.4%. Again, you go from men's basketball at 18%. The 2.4% women's volleyball and baseball comes in at number five at 1.2%. Everything else under baseball is less than a percent of the total compensation. So again, 45, nearly 46% football, 26 women's basketball, 18 men's, and then a drop to 2.4 for women's volleyball, 1.2 for baseball. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the, uh, now, you know, the total comp, that's again, total compensation. Now, again, I, there's so many questions outside of that, that, uh, you know, we could go down this rabbit hole all day, but it is an interesting thought. And so, you know, I, I encourage anybody who is in legal or poli- political circles that has some insight, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us an email, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. You know, we'd love to hear, maybe even have you on the show just to help us navigate. Because I think if, uh, for example, if I were a business, a t-shirt vendor, for example, or hey, a broadcast entity, what can I do as a business to, you know, attract or, have a student athlete at Florida A&M, for example, promote my product or promote a show or, you know what I'm saying? I I think there are certain rules and things that I think we'd like to know. And the sooner 
those clear answers can be had, I think we can start to bring some deals to some student athletes. Because like you said, Kofi, there are businesses out there, but maybe those businesses just don't know that it's not as simple as just, or is it as simple as being able to just hire a student athlete? You know, um, that that's, so that's one of those things. Kofi, let me, let me jump ship here or jump or uh, jump the tracks here to another topic. Uh, this one's near and dear to your heart. Uh, HBCU sports released their 2021 HBCU sports band of the year poll. So this came out on, I believe, Friday, the 14th. And um, it is their opportunity uh, or, or what they put out there to crown the 2021 HBCU marching band for the marching band season. Uh, it looks like they have five candidates based on their halftime show performances throughout the season, their cover songs during the year, and their halftime performances. Uh, the five bands are Alabama State, uh, the Sonic Boom of the South, North Carolina a the Human Jukebox, and the Marching Hundred. Uh, okay, thank you. The Mighty Marching Hornets of Alabama State, and the uh, Blue and Gold Marching Machine, Machine of North Carolina a and I didn't know those uh, names right off the top. Uh, so the winner has a chance to win $2,500. And you can go to hbcusports.com and you can vote. Is that poll still bank. open? Uh, yeah, the poll in, voting ends Friday, January 21st at uh, it ends at uh, midnight central time. So that's 1 a.m. Eastern on January 22nd. So that poll is still, last time I checked, I think Alabama State was leading that poll. Uh, let me see. I'm on the website. I'm going to vote right now for Florida A&M marching 100. Yikes. Only 21,000 votes have come in for the 100 Alabama State and North Carolina A&T, both over 100,000. Uh, a total of 260,000 people have voted in this poll. What are your thoughts, Kofi? All right. Well, I mean, it's a poll where people are voting. So if your fan base votes, you're going to win, you know. But I can tell you Alabama State definitely was not the number marching band this year um north carolina a&t had a down year this year so if they're at the top of the poll it's only because their alumni and their people got on there and voted um, what do you make what do you make of their rankings where they rank the bands i think it's a bunch of foolishness because most of these people don't really know marching band um you know just straight up i mean a&T doesn't even have scholarships. Now, they do, for the record, they do put on decent shows for the most part. But if you ask just the average person, all right, does A&T sound better than FAMU? No. Do they march better than FAMU? No. Uh, <laughs> do they dance better than FAMU? No. So did they have more viral moments on Twitter? No. So 
how are they number one? You know, it's just a bunch of, you know, just a bunch. And it's, it's, it's that poll thing. I'm sure they're probably saying the same thing about our national title. But, you know, just really when Thank it comes down there, to. I, I was going there. I, I was going to go there. It's just like that. that, that national <laughs> but title. just seriously, I mean, A&T is not even in the running this year. Um, Alabama State is not in the running this year. Now, I do think that they've definitely improved um, their sound. I heard a different sound coming out of there. But they. They weren't better than 100 this year. Everybody saw that. I mean, 100 slaughtered them when they came to brag um, on the field. It, wasn't, it was not close. The, you know, even the Sting, the Stingettes are good, blah, blah, blah. Uh, who else was in that poll? Uh, uh, it was Alabama State, uh, boom, Sonic Boom of the South. And okay, the so Jackson G-Bots. State sucked this year. They were not a good band. Um, now, they had that one good show with the – let me say with the uh the Prince and Jay says when they did that little 50 thing, 50 thing. But other than that, that was homecoming. Let me say this, that was their homecoming. This. this was this was not a good Jackson State band, in my opinion. They were not up to what I would consider standard. And when I think of the Jackson State Sonic Boom of the South, I like to think of them as having a big sound, which they do have. They are loud as all get up, but their precision was way off this year. Like you can go back to the tape. You can look at just people missing yard lines, people turning at the wrong time. Their dance routines are piss poor. Uh, all they got is, you know what they're going to do. They're going to do the Jackson State run on. They're going to do a couple of uh, patterns in motion. The JSS going to come out. They're going to do a one-minute dance routine. And to JSU rocks the house and march off the field. That sucks. Like, for me, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, they try <laughs> to mix up the darn JSU rocks the house with just little different things. But their band was not up to what I would say standard. The J sets aren't even number one in the freaking conference anymore. So Jackson State is not in the conversation. The end. The end. Hey, run, run, tell that. Now, two E's. Uh, All right, there you go. Southern University. I could say they could they could get in there. I like what they're trying to do. They changed up their formation somewhat. The format of the show did not change, but at least they have multiple entrances. Um, they try to do a lot uh, with their marching choreography, which I can appreciate. They changed up their majorette formation, and they did different shows, and they, for the most part, they actually, they had mistakes. But by and large, you know they're going to bring it in the stands. You know they're going to do what they do. Um, they still have a tremendous following. Um, but did they sound better than FAMU? On some things, not all. Um, they had good marching moments. They didn't outdance the hundred, you know. Uh, that's that. Now let's get to the hundred. The hundred had a great year this year, uh, beginning with the whole basketball thing. Then they slaughtered Alabama State on the field. They didn't go to Alabama A&M, so you don't have that content to see how that would have gone. It would have went family's way. Um, they didn't go to Valley. Uh, they had homecoming, which I thought was a nice, solid show. Um, but then they came back in the Southern show, and this is where I think they missed an opportunity. It was a good show, and in my opinion, I think it was better. But they missed an opportunity to bring something unique into Mumford uh, because, I don't know, just the last-minute nature of their trip being able to go, uh, they went with what they have already done. But I would have liked to have seen them do a little bit more with that drill. And I think if they had done more with that drill – and picked a couple of different uh, stand selections at the end of the fifth quarter performance, I think that that would have definitely 
sealed it. In my opinion, I don't think there was a better band than FAMU's Marching 100 this year. Now, here's what I will say. Um, Auxiliary-wise, uh, the 100 still has to step up in that area. Um, they were much, much better this year when it came to the flat chord than what I have seen in years past. But guess what? It's still not entertaining. It's still not going to go. That, that group cannot stand alone. If Beyonce was to come on our campus and pick a group, it would not be the Dirty Dozen. So it's, it's an opportunity to grow in that area, break some of that tradition and think and come up with something innovative that's going to blow the people's mind. You know, it's an opportunity to stand out and be different. As long as you hold on to tradition, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of like hold you back, you know, because you're going to be limited by your own thought patterns. But think about it. What look, FAMU has probably more dance groups on campus than any other HBCU. I would dare. I would look across it. I, I'm serious. Like, you got the Strikers. You got Mahogany. You got Boys of Poison. It's about 10 different dance groups. You got Venom. You got the, the Diamond Girl, the Diamond Dancers. You got, uh, who else? You got, bro, it's about 10. Then that you got wow. that. And then you've got another 10 to 15 step groups that have nothing to do with the Divine Nine Greeks. So it's a lot of talent and it's a lot of energy on our campus that you can really pull from. Think about it. Talk about it. Create something. Come up with something new that's going to cause... Um, this particular group to really be ambassador. The 100 gets that, it's going to really shut it down. Um, as simple as the format is, again, no band sounded better than FAMU. No band marched with the level of intensity as FAMU. No band outdanced the 100 this year. So who was better? Nobody. The end. And it definitely wasn't Jackson down. State University. They can go sit down somewhere. Well, shut it down. Shut it down. Let's go home. Uh, look, so again, you can go to hbcusports.com and uh, vote in voting ends Friday. Uh, and, and, you know, right, right now, the hundreds, 80,000 votes behind. A long way to go. Uh, you can vote more than once. So you can, you are encouraged to come back and vote often. However, I'm reading a disclaimer here. Uh, they don't want the rapid fire voting coming from a single IP uh, so however they monitor those kind of things, but, uh, yeah, you know, let's, uh, I, I just, I, I great opinions there, Kofi. Um, I'm glad you, I'm glad I decided to bring that up. I, I knew I'd get your, uh, your, your passionate take on that. Uh, one other topic before we go to break, um, got, well, I'm going to save the other one for the football segment on the other half, but, uh, it just came out today via the SWAC, and I'm trying to find a press release here, came out this afternoon that the NBA TV will televise four SWAC men and women's basketball games featuring Grambling State, Florida A&M, and Texas Southern in honor of Black History Month on back-to-back weekends, Saturday, February 5th, and Saturday, February 12th. On uh, Saturday, February 5th, Texas Southern comes to FAMU. That game will start with a women's game at 2 p.m. Eastern, followed by the men's game at 4.30. Uh, 
Eastern. Both of those games will be on NBA TV. So again, Rattler Nation versus Texas Southern, um, the defending SWAC conference tournament champions. That's a big day for Florida A&M. We have a 10,000-seat stadium, Kelvin. I shudder to think if we get what we've been getting, how bad that'll look on TV in that cavernous arena that we have. So, Rattler Nation, watching us, listening to us, this is upcoming a great weekend to go to the Lawson Center. Alcorn and the team from Mississippi will be coming in on Monday. That will be happening this weekend. And then two weeks after that, we've got a good Texas Southern ball club coming in. You're going to have four good weekend, probably with Prairie View on the Monday after that. There's in, in two in three weekends, there are two of those weekends you can go see good basketball. We are playing good basketball right now. Go to the Lawson Center. Pack that pit. We have how many students on campus, Kelvin? Over 9,000. Yeah, but, but I mean, in terms of housing, housing, we probably can house about 1,500. All right. So I need 1,000 of those on-campus students plus another 5,000 of the just non-on-campus non, non, uh, students. I need y'all in the pit. We need them in the pit. Now, the rest of the alumni around, look, y'all go ahead. Come on, man. Y'all can afford this. How much do tickets cost to go to the game? Anybody? Kelvin? This is, this is a tremendous opportunity again. Season tickets are $75. I'm just I'm talking. Give me ticket. one ticket one day. One ticket one day. Look, I know we want season tickets, but give me one ticket one day. How much it cost? 20 bucks? 30 Look, I'm going to say 30 30 bucks, 20. right? 20 whatever. 20 to 30 bucks a ticket. Come on, folks. That gets you two games. They're not going to make you leave after the women's game. You get two, t- two games for the price of one. Go pack the pit. We cannot be on NBA TV with 1,500 folks in that cavernous arena that we have. Thoughts, Kofi? Calvin. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about this time and time again. I mean, basketball presents FAMU with an opportunity to really get a greater return on its investment, probably even greater than football. And what will really help us really begin to get ahead in the curve and not end up in the red is people attending basketball games, coming to the basketball games, buying, um, you know, concessions, you know, uh, cheering on our team it's really a good look and the other reason is we've got some major visitation coming to our campus with our football recruits so you want to try to yeah. put on a good show set an atmosphere show them why fam you definitely would be the choice for you um you know show them what we do show them what we're all about this is it um so uh, i'm looking forward to it i think it's a tremendous opportunity for us to show rattler nation or really show the nation uh, you know, what the number one HBCU really is all about. Calvin. Typically, we put on a big show and get everybody out for, you know, these televised games. 
and I, I'm sure this will be no different. There'll be a concentrated effort between athletics and the university constituency to include uh, SGA and the student affairs and the Greeks and all that to get them out. Um, so I do anticipate that we have bigger crowds. We also have bigger crowds coming up because uh, now everybody's back. Um, you know, the band will be in the stands also adding to the atmosphere. Um, and um, we're playing good ball. We're winning. So all those ingredients have been coming to play also. Um, so uh, I'm hopeful that we'll have 3,000 this weekend um, at least for the upcoming game. Yeah, that's a good point. We, we need to have at least minimum three this weekend uh, for, for both games. Uh, and we've got to find ways to create that carryover. There's got to be a way to create the carryover so that you get the fan. Look, the product is the product on the court is getting better. It is better. Now we just got to get what the, the state. I don't know what. Maybe we need to have a two for one hot dog night or whatever the main concession is. I don't think they sell alcohol in that in that arena, but uh, you know what, whatever it is that's going to get people to come and come back again and again. We got to find ways to increase the uh, or get the return on the investment of coming to a FAMU basketball game. Let's take a break, gentlemen. We come back on the other side. We got some football information to talk about, possibly some changes in the coaching staff. And then we also need to take a look at the upcoming year and the recruiting info on the defensive side of the ball. So all that is coming up on the other half. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Sweet and Smoky Salmon Rub infuses smoked black pepper with dehydrated maple syrup, pink Himalayan salt, ginger, thyme, mustard, and more to make a sweet, savory rub. Perfect for salmon, trout, and other delicate seafood. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. Follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows on YouTube. You can find us at MyJBN Online and on all social media at MyBCSN1. It's like a loot machine.
Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup. Earthblend Coffee. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.m-e-l-b-e-t-b-o-u-t-i-q-u-e.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Welcome back to the OMG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. I want to give a shout out to everybody watching us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, some of the YouTube names I'm seeing out there, Edwin Moore, EA, The Truth. Uh, of course, Marcus Green, um, who definitely dropped us a lot of good nuggets. Uh, Kenya Sykes dropped in. Uh, Tamara T jumped in. I don't see Mary Theo five, but I know she's out there somewhere. She maybe just hadn't checked in yet. Uh, Jeremiah Clark, um, all of our good friends, uh, from, uh, section P tailgate that are watching us. Uh, I know Marcus is out there, Mississippi Rattler, um, uh, Floyd Hill. I don't want to forget. No, I won't forget names. I'll never be invited back again. If I forget somebody, uh, so shout out, shout out to everybody watching us. Make sure is Michael Johnson in? Is who? What just who? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Is who? Who did who did he say, Kelvin? I I, I didn't catch it either. He got sniped. Okay. He got sniped. He got sniped. See, he was talking. He was talking all that band noise and. 
and uh, you know somebody somebody sniped him, came around the corner and cut the plug. Uh, somebody from the marching band uh, from the south. Uh, anyway, there he is. Uh, all right, so you know it happens to the best of us. Technology, gotta love it. Make sure you're Mr. Following Freeze is showing out tonight. He is at ONG Strike Zone Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can find us on the Google or Apple Play Store. And our show will be broadcast or streaming on the BCSN Pod Zone, where you can get an aggregate of all of the shows that appear on the Black College Sports Network from uh, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab to the uh, Sports Wrap to... Uh, uh, the pregame show to uh, the Carlos Brown show. Lots of good shows, some school specific, some just general content news and information as well. So make sure you find the BCSN Pod Zone wherever you listen and download to podcast. All right. So one of the big stories that came out a couple days ago, it was reported by uh, on3.com. It appears like we're losing uh, our offensive line coach, uh, coach and co-offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Ryan Stancheck. Uh, he appears to be heading to join the coaching staff at Austin P. Uh, Stancheck is a again a former West Virginia Mountaineer All-American left tackle um, who started his coaching career at Alcorn State as an offensive line coach. Uh, He coached there for uh, four years before moving over to Southern Miss and then uh, came over to FAMU in 2019, I believe, uh, is when he came over to FAM. And so I I don't quite know what the tie is in with Austin P. Uh, I I don't know if it is a uh, money move. I'm sorry, huh? My understanding is the coach there now uh, worked with worked with him at at uh, Southern Miss, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, okay, okay. So when he moved, uh, okay. So when he moved, when he previously moved to Southern Miss, uh, prior to coming to FAMU, that coach, I guess, is who you're talking about, um, is now at Austin. He was on P. that staff. He was on that staff. Okay, okay, and so yeah. You know, it, it pretty much, you know, now if you go to Coach Stanchek's uh, Twitter, uh, he, he no longer has on there that he is coaching at Florida A&M, so it is safe to assume he has moved on. Uh, I saw somebody in the chat room ask a question about why are we losing offensive line coaches every year? Uh, <clears throat> is the pay that bad that no one stays? Uh, what, what's your thoughts, gentlemen, on the – the shuffling uh, in the uh, coaching position there at the offensive line. Well, you know, uh, you know, opportunities present themselves. Alex Jackson had an opportunity to go to the University of Tennessee, be a part of a FBS program, and uh, see how they do things. Um, you know, but now he's at Alabama State, so you know he's moving multiple spots himself. So. That's not necessarily always, you know, just with the salaries, just sometimes just looking for the right opportunity and the right fit for you. Um, you know, Stancheck had a run, you know, obviously here with 
with Coach Willie, and maybe he felt more comfortable being up there in Tennessee at Austin P. I'm, you know, which I understand, but uh, Coach Simmons' Rolodex is quite thick, and uh, people are looking for opportunities, just like with the transfer portal. Uh, we'll have an offensive line coach, no doubt, very soon. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'd be curious to, well, I'm not going to speculate, but I, but I know the guys, the offensive line guys are getting work done. We, we know where they're getting work done, uh, and working out in Tallahassee, uh, be interesting to see if that might lead to a coaching opportunity for a former Rattler. Um, just kind of put that out there. You know what I'm saying? That, that might, I, I don't know, you know? Who knows? We'll, we'll kind of see. I'd love, you know, personally, I'd personally love to see Wally Williams. I'd love to see Jamie Nails. I'd love to see Terry Buford, you know, in there. Uh, we've got uh, offensive line history at FAMU, great offensive line history at FAMU, you know. But, uh, you know, it's just about really with the coaching staff, especially with that culture, having the right fit. Am I freezing? No, you're good. Okay. Okay, just having the right fit and being the right fit. So, you know, somebody might be able to coach in an area, but the thing is going to be, can that, can they work together on that staff in this environment with that culture, and are they going to be able to enhance that culture? Can they really work together to make family be what it can be? So, so we uh, we wish uh, we wish Coach Stancheck a uh, we say thank you and we wish him the best in his future endeavors, uh, thought he did a, you know, good job, uh, you know, very serviceable job. And so, uh, we just keep building. I, I have all the confidence in the world that coach Simmons is going to find somebody, uh, to, to come in and continue to grow, uh, what he is, uh, what he's building. Let's talk let about me, this. Uh, wait a minute. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Kelvin. I just wanted to speak to the, the question that was asked. Um, you know you're doing a good job when your coaches get other opportunities. Um, and, you know, when you're successful, we've had back-to-back nine-win regular season games, um, uh, regular win seasons, 2019 and 21. And um, so when you're successful, people look to, you know, successful programs to bring on coaches. So, you know, a lot of, you know, the coach, you know, coaches are getting opportunities, so, um, with it, you know, it's a promotion and, and, you know, uh, you know, in their minds, uh, you know, a step up, a, a different kind of fit. So it, it happens. It's going to continue to happen as long as we keep winning. So, you know, but at some point, I, I would say at some point we're going to have to find a way to match and financially keep, these coaches. I mean, I, I would think that that should be the goal, right? I would think it when we have a coach that's successful and young, uh, I, I mean, we could keep a coach stand check for a little while longer until maybe he moves to that level of where he's trying to get to, you know, I, I don't know where he's trying to get to. I don't know if he's trying to eventually get to a head coaching job or an OC job uh, or what, but you know, I, I would imagine when can we when can we get to the point of keeping these coaches and not letting them leave for the next better paying thing? Didn't say it's the better. We can't. We can't. I mean, it happens at every level. High school, college, 
pros, you know, there's always somebody who's going to be able to outbid you, number one. And then sometimes it's just ain't about money. Sometimes it's family, location. You know, it's, 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 it's many different factors that happen um, with these kind of decisions. You know, coaching profession, frankly, is a transient position. You know, head coaches move. Uh, if you're lucky and you win, you know, uh, I think they average probably three to five years at a program and um, some less than that. So, you know, you're always on the move. So it just goes with it. And um, and so, um, you know, I think money would be better spent on the program itself, the facilities, the support, um, those type things, uh, instead of, you know, trying to outbid for position coaches and so forth at our level with our resources. Gotcha. Okay. As we get into talking here in this uh, segment about the future of FAMU football, uh, recruiting, but more so an analysis of where we are, where we want to go, we're going to the defensive side this week. Last week, we talked about the offensive side of the ball, uh, six returners, or at least projected six returners on offense, uh, one less on the defensive side of the ball, uh, courtesy of our good friend Marcus Green, we are projecting five returning starters. Uh, those returners, Stanley Mentor and Gentle Hunt, as well as Isaiah Land. If you, It depends on how you view Land, whether you consider him a defensive lineman or a linebacker, but those three up front. And then the secondary, essentially, Kendall Jenkins and Courtney Cox, although uh, Kendall Bowler, is someone who got a lot of minutes that we probably look at coming back, possibly maybe even taking a starter role. So in terms of total returners that's starting, you could probably say five to maybe six. It just depends on how you look at uh, Bowler. In terms of position breakdown, defensive linemen, uh, linebackers, and DBs, the one area that we feel – or especially Marcus feels like we have the the need for additional depth and some talent upgrades will be at the linebacker position. Uh, we do lose four linebackers, uh, Nadarius Fagan, Elry Allen, Demetrius Powell, Derek Mer- uh, Mayweather. Uh, we've got some returnees, uh, including uh, Jaleel Core. That's a name that I'm excited about just based on what I recall from him coming out of high school. Uh, I'm interested to see what Jaleel Core, if given the opportunity, can do. Uh, then, of course, you've got Isaiah Land, uh, outside linebacker, I guess is how you project him. Um, none of the other names are quite familiar to me. Uh, they may be to you guys. But I think what's interesting is the newcomers. Two, uh, two or three interesting newcomers including Isaiah Major, who's uh, coming out of Independence Community College that uh, came on board as of January 18th. And then Eric 20 Horn, who's a uh, transfer from Iowa State as of the 18th as well. I believe both Major and Horn are on campus. And then a verbal commitment from linebacker Deterius Lee out of Deerfield Beach. Um, I'll start with you, Kelvin, your thoughts on the linebacker position. Uh, we'll start there. 
it is the number one position of need for us, which is why I think the coaches focused on the uh, junior college transfer route. Um, one thing that you'll see with both uh, linebackers, the linebackers will be recruiting who are on campus, as well as the DBs who are coming in, because we lost both safeties also in Collier and um, Marquise. Uh, you, the guys that they have targeted are hitters. Those guys come up and they make they make they, they make tackles, and they have quite a bit of uh, experience playing time, right? Where they're coming from, they played. So I think all that bodes well talent-wise. Um, and, and, and we need people who can contribute right away. You don't know at the high school level that transition from high school to college, you know, how, not many kids can make that their first year. Um, so that's why you you look at, you know, how the recruiting is kind of set up with the transfer reporter. Um Right now, the high school kids, uh, unless you're a three-star or better, you know, they, they really it's, – it's tough getting a diamond in the rough. But from a defense standpoint, we do have a lot of kids who are coming back. Uh, we talked about the starters and that we got five or six that are not returning. But we have a lot of kids who played a lot of ball. You know, you got Javon Morgan uh, from Florida High. And, um, of course, you mentioned Lovey. Who got a lot of playing time? We also had at corner position. We had a couple of guys who who went down, who will be who should be back next year. So um, and, and we played a lot of guys um, in the secondary. So um, though we might have though we might be down six starters, I would say we probably got fifteen to sixteen returning lettermen who actually played on that defensive side of the ball this year. So we've got guys that played a lot of ball, and I like the strategic way in which Coach Simmons has been and staff have been filling the gaps uh, with their position of needs. So I think we're, we're on the right track, and I, I think we have an opportunity for this defense to be even better, believe it or not, uh, next year. I think they'll, they'll, they'll use Isaiah a little bit more. Um, you know, getting them ready for the next level. Uh, Isaiah's a kind of hybrid between the pass rusher and uh, they're they probably going to want to see him play a little, little more conventional uh, outside linebacker too. Just to see, if, you know, how versatile he is. So I imagine we'll, we'll have some different schemes and we'll put them in different positions and locations and so forth. Uh, instead of primarily using them as a pass rusher. Um, and so we'll see how all that plays out. But I think this this, this defense is going to have a lot more flexibility, and I think they're going to have more schemes. They're going to be a little bit more complex. They're going to be able to hide, you know, their, their, their coverages and their blitz packages and so forth in several ways coming at it. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for growth in terms of the schemes as well as the talent. Kofi, what do you want to add on regarding the position or the defense in general? Well, I mean, the defense in general is just going to be, I think they're going to pick up right where they left off. Obviously, as you know, someone like a Marquise Bell is uh, going to be very difficult. I'm going to miss not having him there. But we got some thumpers, bro. Like, 
uh, the a couple of the young men that we got from Iowa State, the young man that we got to play safety, the all of the guys that I would say the 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 trait that I'm seeing is that all of these guys tackle extremely well and they love to hit. So this is going to be an extremely physical defense that is looking to impose its will on offense. And I would dare say that we're probably going to be a faster defense um, as well. So that's going to vote well for uh, this this coming uh, edition, the 22 edition of the family football team. Um, moving over, I, you know, it, it, defensive back and defensive line are two areas where we have so many returning players. I mean, uh, Marcus tells us we've got 20 returnees on the defensive line side, 26 defensive back returnings, which is like, man, you know, where are guys? Is that Mr. Freeze? Uh, where? For, uh, for who? Well, no, I, I, I got you. Unless, unless you lost me, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've got, according to, I'll, I'll go for the defensive side, defensive back. Obviously, we lost Marquise and Antoine Collier, uh, two guys that very hard to replace. And, you know, just think how great it was to have Collier back there along with Bell this year. Um, you know, a couple of interesting newcomers. Uh, transfer Jordan Moore from Kilgore College. Uh, interesting, but also how about Kamani King, uh, another Iowa State transfer? So I mean, we're bringing in Duval. Is that where? Oh, is that where he's from? Jacksonville area. Reigns. Yeah, uh, another one. So the defensive back, uh, the Iowa State connection that we're bringing to the defense, uh, Big Twelve experience. And then you combine the returnees, Lovey Jenkins, Kendall Bowler. Uh, interesting to see if if some names such as uh, Tevin Griffey or how about this name, Patrick Bonner Jr., uh, guys like that actually can get on the field. Uh, you know, Javon Hey, that Morgan. competition is good. You know, and Herman yeah. Jackson's coming back and – you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to be amazing, man, just to see that level of competition. They're going to push one another. They're going to uh, challenge one another to be better. And uh, if you want a spot, you're going to have to play well. Size. I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of size we have. You know, I, I, I have a thought that some of these names, if I remember correctly, all are kind of in that. 5'9 to 5'11 height. I don't know if we have anybody with the size that Collier and Bell had. I, I could be wrong. I mean, so please correct me if you know differently. Um, so I'll be looking to I'll be looking to kind of go through these names and just kind of see what we have in terms of size. I think that may be an area that'll be interesting to pay attention because some of these other teams that are out here snagging high profile wide receivers. I mean, these guys are these guys are big. And that was one area that I thought our defensive backs struggled with is dealing with tall uh wide receivers. Uh you know, that that's just a just an observation. I thought we we had struggles with at times. Up front, the defensive line, we lose Savion Williams of course, we lose Deontay Williams, Ronaldo Flowers Jr. 
Cameron Smith, Jelani Bland. Those are the five departures that we lose. So far, the only newcomer is Ladreus Dre Jones, a transfer from Abilene Christian. Um, so, I mean, the defensive line, of course, you know, we'll see with, with names like uh, Stephon Atkinson, Malcolm Major, Kyle Jackson. Uh, obviously, you've got Gentle Hunt there up front, who I, who I thought played uh, huge this uh, past season. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of depth there. I mean, going two, three deep. Again, looking to see what kind of size some of these guys bring. The good thing is we do come back with the two deep, you know, with, with behind Stanley mentor, Kamani Stevens is there behind gentle hunt. Richard Summers is there behind Isaiah land. Kyle Jackson is there. So those are names that they were, they were number two on the depth chart. So it'll be interesting to see, do those guys actually move into move into that role. Um, how about some players to watch? Some guys that you're that you're watching for as we get close to uh, spring ball. Some names that you're interested to see how they yes, fare in these yes. battles. Kelvin? Okay, so uh, of course, quarterback position. Um, I want to see how much better Rashawn is. You know, we saw tremendous growth from him from the first game to the last game. Uh, I want to see what his ceiling is and how much more he can grow in terms of uh, actually um, being accurate and more consistent with his throws. I, I went back and watched the the, Mips, the the Mississippi Valley State game, and man, we miss we missed so many opportunities in that game that were wide open. So uh, I, I want to see his development and, and and the development of the two freshmen in particular, uh, because I, I really think between those two freshmen uh, and and the, and Musa coming in. I think it's going to be a, a heck of a competition, and it needs to be. Um, so, so I'm, I'm looking at that first and foremost. Um, of course, we lost a lot of offensive linemen, um, so I'm looking to see how we, what, what, what we brought in with the, with the JUCOs, if they pan out, do they in transfers? Do they look like what we recruited, and and is it at the level or either upgrade? in terms of our run blocking and um, pass protection, because we will get tested right out the gate. Our first mm -hmm. four games, I mean, we, we got University of North Carolina. We got yep. Jackson State. We got South Carolina State. And, and, and we ain't careful. We got Albany State, you know. Uh, you know, very successful programs who used to winning. They all are returning a lot of players also. So we have to come out the gate ready. So obviously I, 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 I kind of feel comfortable with what we have on the defensive end. Uh, but, you know, and, and the kicking game because, you know, we, we have our kick. We got uh, Martinez back. So uh, and we got good return guys. So I, I think we'll be good in those phases. But in order to get through that gauntlet and to, to win at least three out of the four, 
we're gonna need the offense to be dynamic. So yeah, we, quarterback we, play, we, offensive line play is what I'm looking for. We play practically every HBCU national champion uh, from the past 2021 season at the beginning of the year. So uh, it's a hell of a gauntlet uh, to start the year. Uh, Kofi, what about your expectations, players to watch in the hunt, uh, whether it be the defensive side of the ball or if you want to go in general offense or uh, overall? You know, just for me, I think that – you know, obviously, like Kelvin said, I mean, Rashawn McKay is who I'm going to be looking at. Uh, I know we've got Musa coming in. So that battle right there is going to be pivotal to see, um, A, how much Rashawn McKay has matured. Uh, but then also, um, I want to say, what does Musa bring to the table, you know, uh, in terms of talent and ability and How's he going to fit in as a leader on this team? Um, and I want to see uh, Jamari Sheree, you know, because I think that, you know, from a creative standpoint, he can actually affect uh, what we do on a number of different scales, both in the passing game and the running game. It's all about how our coaches are perceiving to use him uh, going into this year. And, I mean, Hawkins is coming in there. You got Oxendine. We've got a number of different – um, players to work with. And then how is this offensive line going to jail? Um, what new concepts can we expect uh, coming forward into this year? So all of this is a, um, is a tremendous opportunity for Rattler Nation. Obviously, I'm looking at defense, looking at everything, really, to see everything, you know, special teams, everybody's coming back. So that's not necessarily a concern with me from an execution punt or kick standpoint. But I would like to see some additional schemes, personally. I would like to see some additional schemes, and I want to see us be ready so that we're not giving up fake punts and giving up fake kicks um, on a regular basis. So um, this this is a year. This is an opportunity to actually clean that area up. And uh, as they put those concepts in, everything you see in the spring is not necessarily what you're going to see in the fall, but I'm looking forward to – seeing how all of this begins to come together. It's funny you brought up the block punts. Uh, one of the things here, uh, I'm going to come back to Marcus's info he provided us. Uh, execution and fundamentals uh, is going to be one thing that I think we all should pay attention to. And I know hopefully is an Scheme. emphasis. Well, here's why I say Here's why I say execution of fundamentals. Hold on, Mr. Scheme. FAMU ranked dead last in the NCAA FCS division and dead last in in the SWAC in penalties, yielding 107 infractions. That's 12 games, 71 in an eight-game SWAC play, and 85.17 penalty yards per game, uh, just about 89 and a half in SWAC play. So, you know, that's telling for a team that still won nine games. Just think about how those penalties affected us in our biggest loss of the year against Jackson State. Drive killers. So hopefully we can avoid being the most penalized team in the FCS and the SWAC next year. You know, I I think that's one of the big things that uh, I I think – 
uh, is going to be pivotal to see. I think we also going to have to take a look at Isaiah Lamb. Is he able to continue or duplicate, even somewhat halfway duplicate what he did? Um, 